built around the concept that you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Well, remember, you were born to win. But in order to be the winner you were born to be, you got to plan to win, you got to prepare to win, and then and only then can you legitimately expect to win. You see, with integrity, you do the right thing. When you do the right thing, there's no guilt. With integrity, you have nothing to fear because you have nothing to hide. See, folks, failure is an event. It's not a person. Yesterday really did end last night. Today is a brand new day, and it's yours. Friends, welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and it is my unique privilege to bring today's profound message to you. The Ziggler Show is founded on what Zig Ziggler, the world's most prolific motivator, devoted his life to, inspiring your true performance. You can have the best tools, uh, resources, and even opportunity, but unless you are truly inspired, you'll be hopeful but remain where you are. What is the definition of inspired? Listen to this. To influence or animate with an idea or purpose. Did you hear that? Animate with a purpose. If you want to take action, you have to know and be motivated by true purpose. That's deep, folks, and it is why you are here. Let's dig in and change your world so you can change this world. We need all you've got to offer. Desperately. Today, folks, I have a show for you that I wanted to make happen because I wanted to I wanted to learn. I wanted to listen in on this one. Uh, we're interviewing Kevin Cruz. He's an Inc. 500 entrepreneur who has started and sold several multi-million dollar companies over the last 20 years. He's also a New York Times bestselling author, and his latest book is what got me interested, uh, not even just by the title so much uh, as to how he came to the content. So it's on time management, which is admittedly not one of my personal strong suits, uh, but I suffer from it. And it was, uh, it was interesting because the message in it was not just something he formulated. The guy went and interviewed seven billionaires, 13 Olympic athletes, 29 straight A students, and 239 entrepreneurs. And this book is the culmination of what he found. It's called 15 Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management. And I'll tell you how you can uh, get a hold of that in a little bit here. But, uh, well, matter of fact, you can go now to MasterYourMinutes.com and download a one-page tool. It's a million, It's something that millionaires use to plan their day and a quick start action guide. Again, this comes from Kevin Cruz's studies. Uh, we're going to discuss some of the findings to attempt to achieve extreme productivity in our own lives without just feeling overworked and overwhelmed. Again, this is where I find myself so often. So that's why I was intrigued about this interview. Uh, before I bring on Kevin and Tom Ziegler, um, check this out. On May 13 through the 15th, 2016 in Dallas, Texas, world-renowned leader Brian Tracy is a friend of Zig, and he's hosting, hosting a three-day uh, weekend event. It's over weekend, but a three-day event. It's the 20th year anniversary of the Success Mastery Academy, and this event is a one-time-only event. It headlines Brian, of course, and special guest Darren Hardy, uh, Vic Johnson, and more. It's three powerful days. 
days of insights, strategies, associations, and networking. So the topics that are going to be covered there include marketing, selling, productivity, wealth creation, branding, crushing the speaking stage, peak performance, mindset shift, and results. But here, this is the cool thing. Tom Ziegler will be there. He's doing a bonus session there. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, anything we can do with Brian Tracy is just a gift. So again, May 13 through the 15th, Dallas, Texas, uh, this thing will sell out. So, and, and, and this is just being, uh, I think announced right now. So you can go check it out, go to zigshow.com slash Brian. Okay. Zig, Z I G show, zigshow.com forward slash Brian. All right, folks. So we are going to dive in with Kevin Cruz. Tom Ziegler and I are going to talk to him about this topic, 15 secrets successful people know about time management that again, that he culminated from talking to, I love the list, seven billionaires, 13 Olympic athletes, 29 straight A students, and 239 entrepreneurs. Here I bring you Kevin Cruz. Kevin, first off, thank you immensely for giving yourself to us today for the Ziegler Show. We're incredibly honored, and uh, I- I'm just eager to jump into these topics. I love them. Uh, thanks for having me on. I've been doing a lot of these, uh, these interviews, but I've really been looking forward to this one, and I know we're going to have a good conversation. Well, hey, as, I, as we were talking about, when you contacted us initially, I, I wasn't aware of you, and I went uh, – you know, we get so many requests for reviews that I usually give them just a quick cursory look. I clicked on the link to the Forbes article that you wrote, and I was hooked immediately. Uh, you know, and I scanned down and knew I wanted to have you on the show. And so, um, you know, as I talk to people, I love the premise when I did your intro here of the people that you interviewed – and that you're saying, hey, this is what I found. I think it's because it's not just an opinion. This is kind of unequivocal. Uh, and I, the 15 ideas, I want to run down through them. So, I mean, the, the first question, though, I had is what brought you? Now, obviously, you've had a lot of successes in the business world. But what brought you to decide, hey, I want to hit on this topic of time management and productivity? Well, you're being uh, kind of polite because that's another way of saying, why in the world do we need another time management book? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this was I, I need all the help I can get. Well, you know, I came at it from two ways. I mean, one is, uh, boy, you know, with all the time management books and courses that are out there, why is it that every time we ask someone how they're doing, it's the same answer? Crazy busy. I'm drowning, yeah. trying to keep my head above water. So something about the conventional wisdom isn't sticking. And in my own case, uh, time and productivity have been uh, kind of passion projects of mine. When I was young and dumb in my 20s, I mean, I started my first company and I wasn't afraid of hard work. I was literally living in my office, sleeping under my desk for a year. And so it wasn't, a, you know, I, I was putting the work effort in and I went out of business after a year. The second business, I was working 100 hours a week. Thankfully, I had an apartment by then, but I still crashed and burned. And the third company, I mean, the third time was a charm, and I had a nice exit at age 30, but it came at a tremendous cost to my health, to my Mm -hmm. relationships. Uh, It just, I wasn't doing it. I was working hard. I wasn't working smart. And I literally found some, some mentors who over time, taught me some techniques so that the last business that I uh, had started and sold when I was age 40, 
same kind of business. It was 10 times bigger than the previous one, but I was working less than 40 hours a week in it. So 10 times the results with half the work. And I, ever since that time, I realized there's a lot of entrepreneurs, there's a lot of hustlers out there who really are, are, are putting themselves out there in a way that's great eventually for business success, but not so great for their health, their family, et cetera. And so that's why I wanted to tackle the, the, uh, the topic. Well, with the people that you interviewed, the billionaires, Olympians, straight-A students, uh, entrepreneurs, were those people that just happened to be in your sphere of influence, or did you specifically seek out people in those arenas? Yeah, I, I sought them out. I mean, there's a handful of people I had relationships with, but I really went with a blank slate. I, um, not that I'm in any way comparing myself for my book but in, in this way, but you know, the classic Napoleon Hill, you know, think and grow rich. He didn't just write what he thinks are the secrets. He went out and interviewed a whole bunch of self-made millionaires mm -hmm. and boiled it all down. And so that was kind of the model. I thought, again, my background in entrepreneurship, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs who think they're going to get time freedom yeah. and then they are an entrepreneur and don't have any time freedom. So, you know, that's a group I wanted to target. And I thought about, you know, other areas from the athletes and, and uh, just high performers overall. Right. Well, again, your website, which I gave in the intro, but folks, as we go down through these 15, uh, 15 points, I know you'll want to dive in. And um, the website uh, is MasterYourMinutes.com. That's where you can download the one-page uh, tool there, and we'll probably talk about that again, but MasterYourMinutes.com. Well, that's what I'm going to do today. We're going to run through these. I want to hit on each of the 15 uh, points here, 15 secrets, and then... Uh, just ask you a question on each of those. And I know Tom will jump in as he is inspired as well. So I'm going to start off with number one, read the, read the secret and then ask a question and we'll kind of rapid fire through these things. Sounds all great. All right. Secret number one, they focus on minutes, not hours. And you, you wrote average performers default to hours and half hour blocks on their calendar. Highly successful people know there are 1,440 minutes in every day. There's nothing more valuable than time. Money can be lost and made again, but time spent can never be reclaimed. As legendary Olympic gymnast Shannon Miller told me, to this day, I keep a schedule that is almost minute by minute. You must master your minutes to master your life. So, Kevin, do you have some people hear this and respond that they don't have enough control of their time to structure it so well. And how do you help them through that? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, certainly these 15 uh, habits are more powerful, the more control you have over your time. Right. If, you know, if you are uh, uh, an hourly worker in retail and your job for eight hours is to bag those groceries or to take those orders, there's not going to be a whole lot of flexibility. But Outside of work, these principles also can have an impact. And the big takeaway from that first habit is, you know, I say the number 1440 is the number that can change your life. That's the number of minutes in a day. And the ultra productive people, they truly understood the power of a single minute. And whether that's, you know, how much one minute can mean if we're tucking our child into bed at night or, you know, telling someone we love how much we love them and why or because we're answering some emails and, and making progress on our goals at work. But when you truly feel the value of that minute, then all of a sudden you're going to live with intent and not be so careless 
with time thieves and others who take you know your minutes away. Right. You know how many of us say, "Yeah, yeah, I know that, Kevin. You know, we're uh, we I value my time," and yet there's that knock on the door. Hey, you got a minute? Oh, sure. And then thirty minutes later. Yeah is out of your life, out of your day without any thought or planning. We don't leave our money on the desk for people to steal. Why do we do that with our time? Jeez. Yeah. I love the, uh, I love the zig quote on that. Have you ever noticed that people who have nothing to do want to do it with you? <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> we got to guard our time. Absolutely. That is, I love that perspective. We wouldn't leave our money on the table for somebody to take. Why do we leave our time? I have a, uh, I have a partner. I'm going to give that one to here this afternoon. Well, uh, secret number two, they focus on secret. And I say secret. That's obviously how you wrote it, but I like that term habit. Number two, they focus only on one thing. Ultra productive people know their most important task, most important task, MIT. And they work on it for one to two hours each morning without interruptions. And folks, this was, I'm not making this up. This was written in Kevin's Forbes article, Tom Ziegler. CEO of Ziegler Inc. shared, invest the first part of your day working on your number one priority that will help build your business. So what task will have the biggest impact on reaching your goal? What accomplishment will get you promoted at work? So Kevin, in an era of multitasking, whether that's true or not, but we know that term, this feels, this feels like a significant discipline. I mean, do you find that people will try it though? It becomes reasonable and, vi- and, and a viable habit. They just need to relearn their normal. Well, this is one where, again, you know, I think people think they understand what they should be working on, but to actually have that discipline where you know, and and this, this is like those dominoes, you know what your highest values are, you know what your big, hairy, audacious goal is, you've broken that down so you know what your most important task in any given day, and then to truly time block, time to spend on that, as Tom said. I mean, let's know what lever is going to most advance our business and focus on that before, look, life happens, stuff happens, clients happen, but let's focus on that key thing to advance the business before everything else takes off. Well, I like that. It kind of comes back to what we talked about a moment ago when if you feel like you don't have a whole lot of control, you're saying, okay, you know, you some parts of your days, may you may not be able to control, but at least capture a portion. And Tom, of course, you said, let's do it in the morning and take care of that, that most important task. Yep, absolutely. And, and uh, I'm a huge studier of habits. And so I have recently gotten into a new habit that has to do with this very uh, secret number two. The first thing I do in the morning now, uh, I've been doing it, and I've had the most productive three weeks that I can think of in the last three years. The thing that I do now, first thing in the morning, is I do my two chairs. And one of my good friends, Bob Bodine's coming out with a new book called Two Chairs. And what I do is I get up in the morning, I make my coffee, and I gave somebody this advice. And it sounded so good, I decided to take it myself. I said, look, don't turn on the computer. Don't open up your phone. Don't do anything until you do the most important thing. And so I get in my two chairs, one for me, one for God, and I say these, I have these three questions, right? God, you know my situation. Number two, you're big enough to handle it. Number three, what's your plan? And then I listen. And I can't tell you. I mean, the first two and a half weeks, I I kid it, but it's the truth. The thing I heard God saying over and over, you're sitting in my chair. (laughs) (laughs) And just that, that 
and here's the here's the tip. I combined something I do every day, the cup of coffee, with a new habit. Yeah. Which makes it so much easier to stick to it. And I realized my biggest obstacle was distraction. Yeah. Mm. And so whatever your number one thing is you want to accomplish, attach it to something you're already doing and eliminate your biggest obstacle. So my laptop stays closed. My phone doesn't go anywhere until I get that done. And it has totally changed my business day the last, almost the last month now. Love it. Love it. Okay. Real quick then I got to share my, this has changed my attitude specifically, uh, is, uh, in the morning, I want to have that time in the word. I also really want to work out. So, uh, I took one of our, one of our sponsors actually of this show, even audible, uh, signed on there and got the experience. It's like the Bible on tape, but it's acted out. So I listen to that thing while I work out and, uh, it's, uh, it's doing it for me. Um, well, Hey, habit secret number three, they don't use to-do lists. Throw away your to-do list. Instead, schedule everything on your calendar. It turns out only 41% of the items on to-do list are ever actually done. And all those undone items lead to stress and insomnia. Highly productive people put everything on their calendar, then work and live from that calendar. Uh, use a calendar and schedule. This is a quote. Use your calendar and schedule your entire day into 15-minute blocks. It sounds like a pain, but this will set you up in the 95th percentile uh, percentile advises the co-founder of the art of charm charm jordan harbinger who we have interviewed here on the ziggler show so um uh yeah matter of fact we did we interviewed jordan really interesting guy knocked it out of the park with his podcast and uh matter of fact we've never been ranked ahead of him doggone it so <laughs> but but here i'm going to ask kevin a tactical question from a resource and tool perspective uh, what's the most popular tool, even from a calendar standpoint that people that you found are utilizing or you do to literally, uh, schedule ourselves to that degree? Yeah. And this, this habit is certainly the most controversial. And I just got, uh, called out by Richard Branson on his blog on this issue. And it's sort of a debate to be a lister or a scheduler. Okay. And, and, and it's not that, uh, to-do lists don't work at all. They're better than nothing. It's good to get things out of our head mm-hmm. and down on paper. But part of why we're feeling so overwhelmed is because that list just grows and grows. And when we're forced to pick a day, a time, and a duration for everything we're going to do, whether that's mm. processing email or processing social media or working on that marketing plan, it, the odds of us completing it go higher and the stress goes away because we know when we're going to get that thing done. When it comes to tools... You know, I, I, it wasn't, um, I didn't ask the, the research group about their specific tools, but the good news is it doesn't take fancy tools to do this. I use Google Calendar myself. Me I used too. to use Outlook Calendar. And it comes down to uh, when you live your life from your calendar, you know, they say you can truly understand uh, what someone values by looking at their calendar and their checkbook, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at your calendar, if you say you truly value your spouse and your marriage, well, how much time did you spend with your spouse in the last week? You know, how, how many date nights did you have in the last month? Um, and, and no judgment here. If you ultimately value your business and feel you need to work 12 hours a day on your business, okay, that's fine. It should be scheduled, though, so you know how you are investing uh, uh, that, that time. Um, Kevin, it was your, your, your dad, Dan, who said, treat the 160 hours we have each week as you would carefully earn the dollars. Decide in advance how you will invest, save, and spend these hours. And it just goes back to opening up your calendar and time blocking your, your most important task time. Uh, and now what that task 
is can change day to day, but you already time block that out. Um, and, and it's true when you start this habit, going transfer all those to-dos to your calendar, you're not going to be very good at estimating the time. So the trick is to leave yourself some buffer time for those emergencies, for things running over, and don't be afraid to drag one appointment onto the next day. You don't want to forget it. You just treat it like a doctor's appointment. Gosh, you know, you want me to do this thing, but I've got a doctor's appointment. Is it really important? Because I can reschedule a doctor's appointment, but I'd really rather not. If you have to, you don't ignore it. You just move it into the future, into an appropriate time slot. Well, I appreciate I would say I'm a lister, but I need to be more of a you – know, I schedule the important stuff, but I like that. You said pick a day, a time, and a duration. I love the intentionality of that. Yeah, if you look at the Ziegler Performance Planner, we actually have pages out of Dad's planner, and he calendared it. So, wow. Yeah, he it was a, it was his to do list, but everything had a specific time. Yeah, and it's put, a subtle difference, right, Tom? I mean, it's your to do, but it's it's time bound all of a sudden. Yeah, right, including the redhead, he had time for mom <laughs> in there. He there had you time go, golf in there. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, and I do. I use Google Calendar as well and have different colors for this business, that business, for family, for whatever. So I love it. Okay, habit four, they beat procrastination with time travel. Your future self can't be trusted. I really appreciated this one. Uh, You said that's because we are time inconsistent. We buy veggies today because we think we'll eat healthy salads all week. Then we throw out the green rotting mush in the future. (laughs) Uh, You buy P90X uh, today because you're going to start exercising vigorously and yet the box sits unopened one year later. What can you do now to make your future self do the right thing. Anticipate how you will self-sabotage in the future and come up with a solution to beat or to defeat your future self. Kevin, I just thought that was brilliant. Uh, I mean, it's personal awareness. And I'm gonna, my, my thought on that, I was just curious as you're writing this, uh, to, just to ask you personally, where did you do this in your own life? Come up with an area that you often fail, self-sabotage, and create a solution to save yourself from yourself. All right, folks, a quick sponsor break before we continue. How would you like to get Kevin Cruz's book right now at audible.com with a free trial? You can go to audible.com forward slash Ziggler right now and get his book, which again, the title is 15 Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management, The Productivity Habits of Seven Billionaires. 13 Olympic athletes, 29 straight-A students, and 239 entrepreneurs by Kevin Cruz. That last name is K-R-U-S-E. And folks, this is nearly hot off the presses. The release date, the published date, was December 18th of 2015. Now, you can also get nearly any book in the Ziegler Library right now at Audible. There's over 40 Ziegler resources, including the all-time classic bestsellers, See You at the Top and Born to Win. Audible is the leader in audiobooks, uh, which is the number one format that books are consumed in today's world. Audible literally carries over 180,000 books in audio format, and they're immediately delivered for your listening pleasure. And uh, the best thing, again, you can get a free trial right now at audible.com slash Ziggler. It's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash Ziggler, and you can find books from just about every one of our esteemed guests here on the Ziggler show. Yeah, it, it's that's right. I mean, our future self is is the enemy of our best self, oftentimes, and we need to to think ahead. 
and this really came to me vividly. I was out to lunch with a friend and um, she had ordered, she was trying to eat healthy. So she ordered a turkey burger with the salad instead of the fries. Well, they brought the fries and instead of sending them back, I don't know why she didn't send them back. She unscrewed the cap off the salt and dumped the entire salt shaker salt on top of the fries. What in the world are you doing? You can't possibly want that much salt in your fries. She says, oh no, I'm fighting my five minute future self because if I don't ruin those French fries, I'm going to say, I'll just have one. I mean, uh-huh. you know, what will just have one? You have one and that leads to two. And next thing you know, I'll work out harder tonight and eat all the fries. She wrecked her fries. You know, for myself, uh, I, I am not uh, – I don't have a big problem with procrastination. I'm actually a procrastinator, which is a real thing where even if there's something that I, that, that's due two and a half months from now, I want to get it done right now as fast as possible just so I don't have to think about it. But where, where I'm weak are the morning routines. And if I've got a, a, a week where I'm really striving for extreme productivity and I'm setting that alarm for 6 or maybe even 5 o'clock – and I'm using my phone, I will move my phone across the room or even in the bathroom so that when that alarm mm-hmm. goes off, I can't, you know, my future self is going to sabotage and hit the snooze button. So I'm battling my future self by moving that phone into a, you know, a further place. I've got to get out of my bed and turn it off. Now I'm, you know, near the sink, I'll splash some cold water on my face and I'm good to go. I love that. I was uh, reading recently Switch by Dan and uh, Chip Heath. Uh, which actually, Tom, you don't know, but uh, they're going to be on our show. They wanted to wait till they uh, got a new book coming out. So uh, it, it was cool talking with those guys. But they talked about that in the beginning of the of the book about a product called Clocky, I think it is, and it's an alarm clock that goes off and it bounces around. Uh, so I dig, <laughs> That's great. I dig the idea. All right, well, habit number five, they make it home for dinner. Uh, and you wrote, I first learned this from Intel's Andy Grove. There's always more to be done, more that should be done, always more that can be done. Highly successful people know what they value in life. Yes, they work, but they also, uh, they know what else they value. Uh, there's no right answer, but for many values include family time, exercise, giving back. They consciously allocate their 14, 40 minutes a day to each area they value and then stick to a schedule. Well, as you talked about before, Kevin, I mean, as a lifetime entrepreneur, I sure understand this and I have to just turn it off. Uh, laptop, smartphone gone when I come in the door with my family and not to be seen till the kids are in bed, if at all. But my, my question was, of all the folks that you interviewed, I mean, how many really focused on, I know you said it wasn't, the, the culmination wasn't just those three things, family time, exercise, giving right. back. But uh, of the folks you interviewed, how many did you find put a high value on all three of those, family, exercise, giving back, or did some of them veer on one or the other or two, or was it all three generally? Yeah, I mean, I think it varied uh, based on on who the person was. And there's no doubt. I mean, when you're in year one of a startup, uh, you know, there's a lot going on. And if you're perhaps a little more senior and your company's more, uh, uh, you, you know, stabilized, then it's easier to get out that door. But regardless of that, I mean, that was the key point. And, and I mean, it sounds corny, but when I read Andy Grove's book, and unfortunately he just passed, you know, last uh, last week – it really did change my life because I was in that fast growth company mode mm. and it was, it was painful. I was always in that, I call it the guilt stress yoga, yo-yo. You know, if I'm staying late in the office, I feel guilty I'm not with my family. 
if I'm home on the weekend stacking blocks with my little toddler, you know, I'm stressing out that I'm not getting stuff done on that to-do list at yeah. work. And when I really realized, I mean, his, it's simple, but his words were prophetic. I mean, it's just, there will always be more to do. The to-do list never ends. So you just have to think, what am I willing to do? You know, am I going to work till five or six or eight? And again, there's no judgment. There's no right answer. But to be clear and unintentional about investing that time is really the secret. Okay. Uh, habit six, they use a notebook and you wrote Richard Branson has said on more than one occasion that we wouldn't have, be, he wouldn't have been able to build Virgin without a simple notebook, which he takes with him wherever he goes. In one interview, Greek, Greek shipping magnet, Aristotle Onassis said, always carry a notebook, write everything down. That is a million dollar lesson. They don't teach you in business school. Uh, ultra productive people free their mind by writing everything down. And I have to say, Kevin, I was given that blessing early on, just writing things down or I would forget them, which I do. So I'm a habitual uh, note taker, but I, I also appreciate the fact that it honors those that you are listening to. And I know it does me. I've had people pay for uh, a lot of money for consulting and I realized they're not writing anything down and you're just not going to retain that. And, and so that was what I came to, you know, retention. I mean, how much life changing and beneficial wisdom for our lives do we hear and simply forget? Is, is that what you found too, that the highly productive people take uh, the moment and the info that can benefit them captive? I mean, they, they don't let it go by by simply writing it down. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the the best, uh, the high achievers, I mean, they're not trusting their memory, even if they have good memory, they're writing it down. And there, there's some nice benefits. I mean, when you are writing things down into a notebook, it's not just for you, but it creates a legacy of, of your journey, of your collected wisdom. And, you know, anything you put in there from a new idea to an inspirational quote to a key point from a book, capturing conversations. Um, <laughs> you know, I've got three kids and maybe they'll be bored with my notebooks, but I'm looking over at them and I got a whole stack of them there that people will be able to look through, you know, my life and career and see what I was working on, what I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a powerful thing that we teach. And that is the idea of leaving markers. Hmm. And we leave markers not only for ourselves to go back and go, oh, what was I thinking last week? What was that thought? But we leave markers for our kids and grandkids and great grandkids that we'll never know. I'm blessed because dad left markers everywhere. He put notes in books. He put them in his planner. He wrote, you know, he had notepads. He had folders. We've got hours and hours and hours of him on audio and video, which, you know, most people will never have that. But leave markers. And the interesting thing for me is now when I'm purposely leaving markers is it changes the quality of the thought that I'm putting down. Huh. Just recognizing that. That's killer. That's excellent. That's a gift. That's a real gift for me, Tom, because now as you're saying that, I mean, I'm, I write the notes for myself which tend to be a bit cryptic and a little sloppy. (laughs) But realizing I'm leaving markers actually would change the way I'm documenting things. Uh, Yeah, I think you stepped on my toes a little bit there. But uh, okay, good, in a good way. All right, before we hear Habit 7, I want to take a quick sponsor break for Casper Mattresses, which brings us an obsessively engineered American-made mattress at a shockingly fair price. And now you can get 50 bucks towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash 
Ziggler and use that code Ziggler. I mean, listen, you spend about a third of your life sleeping. We're going to talk about that and some other health benefits in the last habit, habit number 15. But let's make sure you're sleeping on a good mattress. It's a big deal, folks. Casper brings two comfy technologies together for better nights and brighter days, latex foam and memory foam. So they've got just the right sink, just the right bounce, no matter how you sleep. They've got a risk-free trial and return policy. They'll deliver the bed straight to you. You can try it for a hundred days. And if you're not happy, they'll pack it back up at the store. Maybe you get a minute to try a mattress, right? With Casper, you'll actually get to sleep on that mattress. It's 500 bucks for a twin size mattress, 950 bucks for a king size mattress. Comparing that to the industry averages, it's an outstanding price point. So get 50 bucks toward any mattress purchase by going to Casper.com dot com slash Ziggler and use the code Ziggler terms and conditions do apply. Habit seven, they process email only a few times a day. Ultra productive people don't check email throughout the day. They don't respond to each vibration or ding to see who has intruded their inbox. Instead, like everything else, they schedule time to process their email quickly and efficiently. For some, that's only once a day. For me, it's in the morning, noon, and night. Well, yes, so this brings us back somewhat to that controlling our environment. Uh, of course, you know, most, if not all the folks you interviewed, we, you know, we, they were the majority self-employed. What counsel on this? Again, I'm going to draw you back to those who are not self-employed. They are employed, but I, I imagine that there's still some things that they can do to better dictate their time. Uh, well, absolutely. And again, there's, uh, I mean, I've gotten tremendous feedback from office workers who, uh, are not entrepreneurs, they don't control their time, but by practicing, you know, shutting off the notifications on their email or only checking it a few times a day rather than being instantly responding to it, they say has dramatically changed their life and improved the quality of their work. You know, as Tom said, it's all about working without interruptions. And, you know, biologically, uh, we are wired to be interrupted. It's, you know, to make sure the saber-toothed tiger doesn't come and eat us. You know, we hear a noise, we see a movement, uh, and every time we check email, we, see, we hear that ding or the phone buzzes, we get a little kick of dopamine in anticipation mm-hmm. of something good. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a cat video or uh, just being able to help <laughs> someone at work, you know, that encourages the behavior. But that's not good for getting our, our true work done. So I'm not anti-email at all, but I noticed over and over again, people said, look, we don't check email. We're not Pavlov's dog responding to every incoming message. Email is a communication tool. We will schedule set times in the day to process it. And over and over again, I heard, just as Tom is saying, you don't open email. You don't check email until you've made progress on your number one item for at least an hour or two in the morning. Gosh, that's, yeah, that's, that's excellent. And again, something that I have, uh, I'm guilty of. I need to be more intentional with that time. Well, habits, habit eight, they avoid meetings at all costs. And you wrote, when I asked Mark Cuban to give me his best productivity advice, he quickly responded, never take meetings unless someone is writing a check. Uh, meetings are notorious time killers. They start late, have the wrong people in them, meander in their topics and run long. You should get out of meetings whenever you can hold fewer of them, of them yourselves. And if you do run a meeting, keep it short. You know what? Uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to, that, that one says it for itself right there. So if you can get out of meetings, folks, do it. I hear you on that one. And I have to say, that's one that I do follow pretty well. This one was fun. Uh, Habit nine, they say no to almost everything. 
and you wrote billionaire Warren Buffett once said the difference between successful people and very successful people is that very successful people say no to almost everything. And uh, James, is it Altucher? Is that how you say his name? Altucher, Altucher right, right. right. Which I know is, he's got a top-ranked blog as well. I just didn't know how to pronounce his last name. But he colorfully gave me this tip. If something is not a real hell yeah, then it's a no. Uh, remember, you only have 1,440 minutes in every day. Don't give them away easily. Okay, that was interesting, Kevin. I own the movie Yes Man with Jim Carrey. Really appreciate that. And I love that concept. So, you know, many, so many people say no to getting out and doing life. And I hear the value in saying yes. But this, you know, speaking to the addiction of busyness in our lives, we say yes to so many seemingly good things and push out room to do those great things. So I loved uh, what James said there and actually emailed it la- last night to my family and uh, said, this is a great way to look at it. I, wanna, I wanted to ask, did that one impact you uh, personally? What, have you, what are some things that you've said no to in, even in, in the time of writing the book uh, that uh, you said no to as a result of that? Yeah. And, and, you know, James's quote was one of my favorite responses from, Mm -hmm. from anybody. And, um, it's, (laughs) and I agree with you for a long, for, for a decade or more in my career, I believed that in the power of yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I still think depending on, you know, if you're in your twenties and trying to grow, et cetera, maybe you need to say yes to a lot of things because you're, what you're optimizing life for is opportunity, relationship building, et cetera. You get to another stage, and if you want to optimize not for relationship building, but for productivity, then the yeses turn into no's. And we're all raised, you know, to, to we, we don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to disappoint anybody. We're all raised to say yes. So it feels, we, we feel guilty doing that. But it really changed for me when I realized that, you know, every yes is a no to something else. We mm-hmm. might not even know what that no is, too, but everything we agree to do means we're not doing something else. We're saying no to something else down the road. And I uh, have really adopted this in the last two years in a hard way. I mean, I, again, was, was open to opportunities and really hustling. As I've tried to focus more and more on research and, and writing, um, it's something that, I mean, I've said no and resigned off most of the nonprofit boards I was involved in. Mm. I've said no to all kinds of, you know, investing opportunities that normally I would have said uh, yes to. And it's to the point now where I think, you know, the stop doing list is more important than the doing list. And, and you know, there's some easy things I stopped doing a couple of years ago, including, you know, writing my own checks and keeping my own books and things like that to more and more, even just as an, as an independent author guy where more and more of the marketing other things are all being handled by assistance. The more we can focus on what we do best and what we enjoy most, the better. And I think, um, again, yes can lead to happiness and fun, but no is what leads to productivity. Yeah. Uh, that one, again, that one is one that I am going to utilize a lot more. I need to. Yeah, Tom. I think a lot of it is personality, too. I had to learn this because I, boy, my personality is I don't want to disappoint anybody. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to just say no. So now what I say is, can I get back to you tomorrow on that? And then, then I get somebody else to say no or... <laughs> Or I write them an email and say, you know, I've had a chance to think about it. That's just not what we want to do. But uh, for somebody like me who doesn't want to disappoint anybody, uh, that's a great segue into just saying no. Because I can tell you 
um, there's there's too many things in life that are more important than what's on somebody else's agenda. Yeah. Well, I appreciate what you said, Kevin. Every yes is a no to something else. And I had that implanted in me uh, long ago that the good gets in the way of the great. So that's a lot of good things I got to say no to. Uh, to make room for the great. Well, these next ones, uh, uh, Secret 10 and 11, I'm gonna, I feel like one is a great lead into the other. So number 10 is follow the 80-20 rule known as the Pareto Principle. In most cases, 80% of outcomes come from only 20% of activities. Ultra-productive people know which activities drive the greatest results and focused on the focus on those and ignore the rest. So in essence, we're saying focus on those 20, try to, you know, get rid of the, of the 80. So we could say, say no to the 80, but then for a lot of people, that's not, that's not real relevant, but or not possible, I should say, which I thought was a great lead in Kevin. If, if I can to go right into secret 11, which is they delegate almost everything. Ultra productive people don't ask, how can I do this task? Instead, they ask, how can I get this task done. They take the eye out of it as much as possible. Ultraproductive people don't have control issues and they are not micromanagers. In many cases, good is good enough is well, just good enough. Okay. That I'm right there in a massive way. I've uh, just in the process of uh, coming out of a, over a year of really growing two different initiatives that as you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to wear a lot of hats and you need to take a lot of roles so you can develop and even figure out how to delegate it. Well, right now I am in massive delegation role. So I'm going to take, I'm going to say no to a lot of things. First off, I'm going to take 80% of the things that can be done by somebody else and delegate those things. So I can only do the 20% that I do. However, and as you mentioned, it was actually the last statement in uh, secret number 11, in many cases, good enough is well, you know, good enough. And you said they don't have control issues. I have control issues. And so it's coming into some tr- areas of trust for me to trust people. And it's an investment uh, that, that, you know, generally, if you're going to delegate, that means you're paying somebody uh, to do that. And uh, there's, it's a big decision. But then again, you're putting it in our face and saying, well, are you going to do what you're only best at? Or are you going to, again, take away the greatness of you by all these good things that you just got to delegate. So that does, it comes up trust and investment. Are those some primary pieces of that? Yeah, I I think, I think trust and investment. I mean, the trust, I mean, you need to be working with great people if you're delegating great people on your team. And part of that is uh, letting go. You know, I like perfection, but I have come to realize if something is 90% there, uh, I should let it go without comment because one, it's going to save time. Hmm. Uh, odds are most of the market and people won't notice the missing 10% anyway. Yeah. And every time we tell someone that works with us, we, we improve it, we correct it, et cetera. It becomes our project, not their project. You know, so hmm. we have to be careful about that. You know, we want them to keep their emotional commitment with us, the company and, and our projects. The uh, but the other thing with with the investment, it's true. And I you know heard this interview with Tony Robbins saying he was still a teenager. He was like seventeen years old, still broke, but he realized it was better for him to hire someone uh, for a couple hours a week to go do like pick up his dry cleaning than for him to do it himself. And he could only afford to hire someone two hours a week when he was seventeen years old. But then it was five hours a week. Then it was one day a week, and it just. It just added. So, I mean, there is a, a realistic cost implementation in there, but almost anybody could find ways to stop doing certain things and to uh, have other people do them or to get 
uh, creative with time swaps. You know, I'll, I'll drive your kids to school uh, in the mornings if you'll take them to the soccer practice, you know, after, you know, after school. Well, we just uh, halved our time commitments just by, by doing some time swapping, for example. Gosh, yeah. Got Tom. Yeah, so I've got two things. Uh, one is just a quick question. I think it's – I've read a little bit. I think it was Perry Marshall, and he wrote a book called 8020. And I heard the comment that you could take, like, the 80% of the things that you do that only generate 20% of your revenue if you have a business, and you could get rid of it, right? So now you've got 20% left. And then I heard the comment, you could do the same thing with that 20%. You could cut it down again. Did you hear any comments in your research on that? Uh, yeah, well, that's a fascinating concept. I think uh, Marshall called it uh, that 80-20 is fractal, that it, you could keep doing that over and over again. Um, I didn't explore it that deeply in these interviews. I have known uh, entrepreneurs who were so successful at basically firing those bottom 80% clients uh, and still – uh, capturing you know uh, most of the the profit from the top twenty percent, and then later they did it again, and one guy in particular just called it pruning mm. um, now he would do it with his employees as well, which you know is is sort of a controversial uh, tactic, but he felt the same way if he had a hundred programmers, there was going to be you know the twenty programmers, the twenty percent of his payroll investment that 's really the ones that are generating most of the value in the product. And he would constantly be thinking about um, rewarding and, and overpaying uh, the top performers and then, you know, coaching and developing or guiding out, coaching out those who he felt were in that bottom group. He was always looking for the superstars. Right. So the, the, the second comment I have is, you know, this delegation thing is really a spiritual thing. Uh, one of the guys we've had on our podcast is Rabbi Daniel Lappin and he just, in his commentary, he said, you know, if you drive through the neighborhoods of America on the weekends, you'll see the homeowner out mowing their yard, except for you will never see in a Jewish neighborhood the homeowner mowing their own yard. They'll always hire someone to do that. And he said it's a spiritual thing because in the tradition, they believe that God has given them a specific gift in a specific area. And the, the way they maximize that is to spend all of their time focusing on what their gift is. And then the second spiritual thing is that we are built for relationship. We are built for connection. And by hiring someone else to do their gift is actually honoring the way they were created. And so I think it's interesting that a lot of times we think that we have to do things because that's just the way it's supposed to be. When you really dig deep, it's actually a spiritual plus to delegate because that's the way God created us. He wants us to focus on the gifting that we have and then to give others the ability to focus on their own gifting with the things that we're not so good at. That's a powerful anchor, Tom. That really is. It is, and this is why I was hooked into this show and your topics here, Kevin. It's just powerful stuff. Well, number 12 here out of, out of the 15, they theme – days of the week. Highly successful people often theme days of the week to focus on major areas. For decades, I've used Mondays for meetings and make sure I'm doing one-on-one -on -one check-ins with each direct report. My Friday afternoons are themed around financials and general administrative items that I want to clean up before the new week starts. 
I've previously written about Jack Dorsey's work themes, and you gave a link there, folks. So if you uh, if, if you get this, you can click on that. But which enable him to run two companies at once, batch your work to maximize your efficiency and effectiveness. But that was just an interesting idea that I I have to say I, I have never really thought about theming days of the week. So from all your interviews, I was curious what theme day theme like that did you find it was the most unusual? Yeah. Uh... It's a good question. I mean, I think what I heard, I don't know if I um, heard of an unusual theme. I mean, the most common ones were around functional departments. So it would be Hmm. uh, like Jack Dorsey would do, uh, uh, and I'm going to get the exact days wrong, but certain days were like for marketing and he would you know, goes into Twitter and does his marketing means. He goes over to Square and does his marketing means. The next day, it's going to be operations. So he's talking about recruiting and HR issues at each company. And, you know, the way he describes the power of that is, you know, it's, it's keeping everyone on that system. You know, so you identify what your most important things are as a leader or in your role. And then everybody knows we're going to talk about this. And, you know, I'm coming back around, you know, seven days from now to say, okay, a week ago we agreed to this. What have you done? You know, did, you, did we all do what we, we committed to doing? And, and uh, it, it keeps track of that way. You know, I think, you know, Dan Sullivan's another one who talks about having uh, um, free days, you know, where we're actually just recovering and having some fun and investing in, in things that aren't related to business. Um, and, and myself, I mean, I, that's the Fridays to me, maybe it's, you know, more, a lot of people try to goof off on Fridays as they go into the weekend. Um, you know, I am that all about that. No Monday to Thursday, when I do say yes to those lunch meetings, those coffee meetings, I'll stick those on the Friday. I almost never, ever, ever meet face to face Monday to Thursday. And I know a lot of people, you know, think that's unusual. Geez, you know, Kevin's like a zombie Monday to Thursday. He only comes out, you know, a, a, one day, but that's just sort of a, a ritual that's worked for me. Okay. I like it. Yeah. It gave me some food for thought on that one. Number 13, they touch things only once. How many times have you opened a piece of regular mail, a bill perhaps, and then put it down only to deal with it again later? How often do you read an email and then close it and leave it in your inbox to deal with later? Highly successful people try to touch it once. If it takes less than five or 10 minutes, whatever it is, they'll deal with it right then and there. It reduces stress since it won't be in the back of your mind and is more efficient since they won't have to reread or evaluate the item again in the future with this one uh, as so many of these did time management not my strong suit this one nailed me convicted me it seems like uh, a root of that is forcing you to make a decision yeah and and, you know this is uh fairly common time management advice again a lot of these were sort of unusual and and new for me this was fairly common but it's easy to implement and i think uh a lot of people know it as like the two minute rule if you can do something you know in less than two minutes from talking to all of these people, I've expanded it to, as you said, you know, it's five minutes or even 10 minutes. Whether that's processing mail out of our mailbox, processing email, dealing with a voicemail that comes through, instead of uh, consuming it, evaluating it, and then coming back to it later to consume and evaluate all over again, if we can just get it done, touch it once, let's, let's do it and move on. Okay. Well, this one I was interested in because you said it was your single greatest surprise while interviewing over 200 highly successful people. And it was they practice, and we talked about this already, but they practice a consistent morning routine. I'll just ask you to expound on that, that you said it surprised you 
Um, in, in, in what way? Well, Kevin, you know, with all of these people, I was just doing, this was the qualitative research. So I was just asking everybody, give me your number one piece of advice when it comes to time management and extreme productivity. How do you get so much done without feeling stressed and overwhelmed? So I expected to hear things about calendars or Mm -hmm. priorities or, or, or those types of things. But over and over again, people would come back and say, the number one secret of productivity is what I do in that first hour of the of the morning. And you're right. We talked about it. And you guys are, are uh, taking me to school on it because this is one of my weaker areas. And while, you know, different, uh, not everybody's doing the exact same thing, I heard the same themes. Ultra, it's, it, they're always doing things for their body and their mind. Mm-hmm. So ultra productive people. They wake up, they know that they're dehydrated when they wake up and they're drinking water. Um, Ultraproductive people are not skipping breakfast. They know that food is fuel. Our brains run on glucose. So they're having, you know, a healthy breakfast or a, a green smoothie or something like that. They might not be going to the gym for a 90 minute workout, but they're moving for 20 to 30 minutes, whether that's a walk around the block or the treadmill. And then the mental part, again, different strokes for different folks. A lot of people are um, praying. Others are meditating. Uh, I um, One of the things, one of my most powerful daily rituals is a gratitude meditation. I mean, it's as simple as thinking of three new things that I am so grateful for. An attitude of gratitude, I think, is one of the most powerful, magical things you can do. Uh, and I heard a lot of, a lot of that. Um, you know, I, I had a, a lunch with Ken Blanchard recently, One Minute Manager and 60 other books. Yeah. I was asking him about his morning routine and it's the, uh, uh the exercise bike. Uh, it's, it's reading some scripture or other inspirational texts, but it's also reviewing his personal mission statement, you know, as well. So that's, you know, I was not looking, I was not expecting to hear people talk to me about their first 60 minutes, but so many people did about it's, if you want to do more, if you want to achieve more, it's not always about doing more. It's about becoming more. We need to be more. And that starts with that non-negotiable way we start our mornings. Well, I got to call out to my dad. He wrote a book based on this many years ago called The Rudder of the Day. And that was the focus is the morning. I got to see that from him. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll you know, admit going through uh, seven kids and such, I've had seasons where I have not been so good. But man, when I control that morning, if, if it, it's my attitude is the biggest thing that it deals with, aside from, yeah, exercise and, and all that good stuff. Well, so the last one, Secret 15, energy is everything. And you wrote, you can't make more minutes in the day, but you can increase your energy, which will increase your attention focus, decision-making, and overall productivity. Highly successful people don't skip meals, sleep, or breaks in their pursuit of more, 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 more. Instead, they, they view food as fuel, sleep as recovery, and pulse and pause with work sprints. Um, that was, we interviewed uh, Tom Rath recently on his new book, uh, Fully Charged, and great he, book. Yeah, uh, great book. It was powerful. And he talks so much about that. That's my other primary business ventures in the wellness uh, arena. And that one, I see so many people who are trying to get more done. And yet I notice that they are really at half mast and they don't put it together that the how they fuel themselves is the uh, the acuteness of their brain, uh, much less just their their uh, their energy levels. 
And so that one was that I, I was curious, was that one a pretty, I know this is the culmination of everybody, but was that one a pretty consistent thread? And I'll, I'll tell you, Kevin, I, I see people and I experience this in some of the arenas that I've been a, a leader in that people view that a focus on personal wellness as a luxury. Okay. Somebody you, Kevin, okay. You've sold multi-million dollar businesses. You know how the luxury to invest in upping your energy and your personal wellness. And I, of course, have experienced it as the opposite. No, the reason that you succeeded to the degree you did is because you took the time to make that a priority. Is that what you saw in the thread of all these people you interviewed? Yeah, that that's absolutely right. I mean, this is so powerful. A lot of people, you're right, don't want to hear it. I mean, we really can't manage time. We all have the same 24 hours. Uh, it's about managing energy and focus and attention. And, you know, I was, I, but see, I saw that transformation myself when I was young and dumb, I was jumping out of bed, getting in the car, stopping for a cup of coffee at the Seven Eleven. Yeah. I skipped breakfast cause I wasn't hungry. I skipped lunch cause I didn't think, uh, I had the time forget about working out. I didn't hit the gym or anything. And, and back then I would have said, yeah, that, you know, wellness, exercise, sleep, that's all for people who have already succeeded. Right. Well, I had some modest success, but again, at a tremendous cost. And I, as I then started doing these things where I was maximizing my energy, my ability to focus, to be mindful and to relate with the people I'm with, that's when all of a sudden the business grew tenfold yeah. and I reduced my hours by half. I mean, by doing the things we're talking about, as hard as it can can be, you know, they say when we're all overworked and overwhelmed, it's almost like... Um, someone who's been drinking and they want to drive home. Everyone around them says, hey, buddy, give me your keys. You're in no shape to drive home. If you're that guy, you're like, no, I'm fine. I can. You don't see it yourself. Mm -hmm. And I was in that place for years where I just didn't realize that I wasn't operating in my most creative capacity. I wasn't making the best decisions and I wasn't relating to people in the best way. You get those things right. And everything starts to grow exponentially. So in a sense, I hear you saying it's not even just about getting more, have a lot of energy so you can get more done. You can stay up later, but it's have more energy so you can get better done in the time that you are working. Absolutely. I mean, you know, as a writer, I see it every day. There are times when, you know, I can spend one hour and I can produce two and a half thousand words of great copy. And there's another, I could spend the exact same time and end up with a couple hundred words of horrible copy. It, yeah. It's the same number of minutes. It's where my energy focus and creativity is. Yeah, Tom. So, so I got a question maybe for you or any of the people you interviewed. Um, when I work out, I like to listen to, I like to do the two for one, the three for one. And I feel a little guilty every time I do that because when dad would go out and, and walk, which was what he did the last 25 years after he quit jogging, he would just uh, think. And so I'm wondering because he was he knew his endorphin level was going to go up. He knew as he was uh, getting you know the blood flowing, he would, instead of listening to music or listening to somebody else's poor ideas, he was using that almost to – you know, to process stuff. Did you find any consistency in that? Well, I, not from the research, but I have a similar experience. I mean, like, like you, when I jump on that treadmill in the morning, generally I'm listening to podcasts, often yours. You know, I want to learn and have treadmill university, right? right. So, I, you know, th that two for one. But I'm sure we all experience, I now keep my notebook next to the treadmill because some of my best ideas are coming when, I, you know, you're, you're working out, the blood is flowing. 
the part of your brain that's making your body move is fully occupied. The other side's going. And that's why so many people get their ideas in the shower when they're driving. You know, it's that two for one thing. But I will say that there are times if I have to write a certain article or a certain chapter or I've got a, a speech coming up and I'm trying to think, what stories am I going to use? How am I going to open this? What's a good activity for that audience? I'll hop on that treadmill and I won't put the podcast on because I know that if I just ruminate on that problem a little bit, it's prime time, you know, to get some ideas popping. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, both of you guys are talking about you want to inspire your brain, start with your body. Absolutely. Okay. And this was uh, just great stuff. So again, folks, and I, I, I'm, I'm uh, uh, scroll down here on my notes, but the website is, tell us the website again, Kevin. Yeah, if your listeners just go to masteryourminutes.com, they can download a PDF, a one-pager, how millionaires schedule their day, and also uh, a cheat sheet of everything we just covered, the 15 things ultra-productive people do differently. Okay, awesome. And thank you so much for uh, your willingness to be on the show and to talk through this. It is – it's just – I got convicted, and uh, you got to – Call me back in uh, in a month and uh, with accountability. Say, so what have you changed, Kevin? Uh, what have you said no to? What have you uh, uh, what what's your what have you delegated? I mean, you're it's just good timing for me. But folks, I, I hope that that gave you value. Um, anything else right now that you're working on that you would draw our attention to before we say bye to everyone? Uh, you know, because of the the positive uh, reaction to the book, you know, I've just launched a, a new podcast, Extreme Productivity with Kevin Cruz. Uh, you guys are old pros. I've only got about 10 episodes in. But um, if people want more of this uh, kind of content and uh, uh, tips, that's where I, w- I would also direct them. But, it, you know, it's been an honor to, to meet both of you and to be on the show. Yep. I have a challenge for our listeners. Uh, to me, this has been, like, incredibly rich. You've got 15 things that anybody can do. And in our program, Live to Win, we talk about replacing a bad habit with a good habit. Well, I would love to hear somebody just pick four that you want to do and week one, do the first one. And then week two, keep doing the first one, add in the second one. I bet there'll be some amazing changes in productivity in a month. Yeah. Great idea. And, and, yeah. And speaking of that, Kevin, I mean, would that be a good, would that be counsel from you as well? That don't over, you don't have to overwhelm yourself with trying to take on all 15 of these at once, but take a handful of them at least and get started. No, that, that's exactly right. I mean, it, it's, it's, it can be overwhelming to do them all, but literally adopting any one could have an immediate impact. And so I think you'll build on that success and that momentum. It's a great way to do it. Okay. Well, folks, if you didn't uh, catch that again, Extreme Productivity. So go search for that in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. But Extreme Productivity uh, podcast with Kevin Cruz. Last name again is spelled K-R-U-S-E. Kevin, thanks for blessing us with your time. And folks, uh, thanks for tuning in again. Look forward to talking with you on the next Ziggler Show. Thank you.